I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Episode 77 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network, Sean St. Jacques back here with you, breaking down all things Knicks and NBA, heading into a big, big weekend, right before the tip-off of the NBA season. Guys, we'll get to some Knicks talk, we'll get to some NBA talk as always. First, gotta clean up a couple of things here, because I did promise you guys a preview. I promised you guys a full deep dive into the NBA season. I promised you standings, rankings, predictions, win totals, a lot of stuff. I'm pushing it back a week. And the reason I'm doing it is because I realized earlier this week, I'm doing my prep for the show. I'm getting, you know, some of the rankings, you know, have been put in place. Not all of them have been put in place yet. I'm still waiting to see a couple of teams that I haven't seen yet. I want to see a couple of things from the Knicks that I haven't seen yet as well. But I realized if we had done a preview this week, a full preview like we did last year where we rank all the teams, we do the full standings, I give you the favorites for who's going to win the NBA championship, I would we would have talked no preseason. And I wanted to do some preseason talk. You guys have been talking a lot about it over the last week or so since the last show. Again, the last show led into the first preseason game, so we didn't even get to talk about the first game. I want to talk a lot about Knicks preseason games on the show this week. I really wanted to touch on it before I got into the preview show, so we're going to do that. We're going to talk a lot of Knicks preseason, get into some of the games, players we've seen, players we haven't seen yet, and there's some NBA news to get to as well. We'll get to the Kawhi Leonard stuff going on with LA, the Ben Simmons rumors. In Philly, we'll touch on that. And, uh, you know, we, we will also uh, <laughs> dive into a little uh, interesting scenario developing potentially down in Miami as well. But for right now, I got to talk some preseason. You guys have been buzzing about it. A lot of talk over the last week about it. A lot of you guys that listen to the show have been talking about it. And I wanted to give my thoughts on it on this week's show. I, I thought that you guys would want it. 
I know we want to hear the full preseason preview. I know you guys want to hear my predictions uh, where the teams will finish, where the Knicks, I think, will finish uh, this upcoming season, this 2020-2021 season, which tips off on December 22nd. But I, I, fig- I figured it was better to do it a couple of games into the regular season than to completely push aside the preseason. Now, to be fair, with only four preseason games, not a lot to talk about as far as, you know, what this can mean for the regular season. But individually, there's a lot of storylines here. There's a lot of players that I wanted to touch on, some things I'm excited about, some things that need some work. Honestly, not a lot of things I'm down on at the moment, to be honest with you. I think maybe the biggest thing is there probably hasn't been a clear favorite in the point guard battle. As of yet, I think that's probably my biggest disappointment. It's it's too close to call at the moment as to who's going to start uh, opening day, although there's probably a clear leader, and we'll get to that. So not a clear leader, but a slight leader in the clubhouse. You know, up by a couple of strokes, as they say, uh, in the clubhouse. We'll get to that in a second. Um, Knicks opened up with a 90-84 win over the Detroit Pistons on the road in their preseason. Right off the bat, it's not a complete shock. You know, Tom Thibodeau, to be fair, did come out uh, earlier this week, I think yesterday or the day before, um, and said that not everyone was going to play. So it's good to know that now. You know, that that was that was part of the plan, obviously. It would have been nice to know a little earlier, obviously, but we because uh, there were some guys we want we all wanted to see, obviously. Listen, we know that Austin Rivers is dealing with with a with an injury at the moment. Uh, we weren't sure, you know, what we were gonna see from maybe a Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Amari Spellman. Uh, the the tweeners Jared Harper and Theo Pinson. For me personally, you know the the, the two biggest DNPs that I was di- most disappointed in were Emmanuel Quickly uh, and obviously Miles Powell. Would have been really good to see those guys get some run. The Knicks did go deep as you'd expect in a preseason game. Six guys came off the bench. I have to say um, the numbers seem you know not that impressive. But I, I liked Obi Toppin's performance in this opening game. I, I thought he was pretty impressive in his 20 minutes. He kept a you know a, a, a zero plus minus. Uh, but but I think I thought he I thought he really made an impact. You know, I, I, it was nice to see some of the signs as to why the Knicks took him in the draft. I really enjoyed seeing his athleticism, seeing what he could look like in the offense. That's going to be a theme as we as we move forward. Uh, in the show. So I, I really enjoyed that. I really think that that was an interesting um, an interesting talking point from that first game. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching Obi Toppin play off the bench. Listen, we got to see a little bit of Mitchell Robinson. We saw a little bit of Dennis Smith Jr. as well. They both played about 20 minutes. We saw about 20 minutes from Frank Nilakina as well. Um, I have to say, you know, of the point guard guys, obviously Alfred Payton got the start and had the better numbers on the night. I, I did, I, you know, I thought Frank Nilakina was, was pretty good. Dennis Smith Jr. Not so much. I thought, I thought that his first game wasn't great. It was okay. You know, but four turnovers, one, uh, rebound, two assists. Did have a couple of steals, uh, but I wasn't too thrilled, uh, with his opening. It was okay. You know, it wasn't great. Um, good, good to see the defensive stuff from Mitchell Robinson, you know, again, didn't score much at all, but rebounded, got some shots blocked. I think he had four steals 
as well. So again, the bench, not much to write home about, you know, not a ton from Kevin Knox, Reggie Bullock, uh, hit a three pointer. And that was about it. Listen, I, I think the, the overriding opening night talking point, uh, was probably some of the good stuff we saw, uh, from RJ Barrett and in particular Nerlens Noel as well. I thought was really impressive on the preseason in the preseason opener, highest plus minus for whatever that's worth uh, at plus 11, 10 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, and shot five of seven from the field. That's what you're going to get. I mean, that's what you're going to get out of Nerlens Noel if he stays healthy this season. It's a good good thing to have on this roster because of the inconsistencies of Mitchell Robinson that we not, we're not sure if he's going to take that next step. It's good to have somebody like a Nerlens Noel who can you know answer the call of what Tom Thibodeau is looking for from that center position and give you some numbers, almost get a double-double in 25 minutes, and, you know, play some good defense along the way. Um, Julius Randle, you know, not much to write home about. Almost had a triple-double, to be fair to him, 11, 8, and 6 in a pair of steals. Inefficient from the field, 5 of 11 to get to those 11 points, but, you know, it's the preseason. It was one of those things. So, First preseason game against some good stuff from R.J. Bear, though he was a little inefficient as well, but I, I liked what I saw. Obi Toppin was exciting. I enjoyed that. And, and honestly, I think the biggest bright spot was, was Nerland's Noel. I, I think it was great to see him show us what he can do on the court. And it was a, a 90-84 to 84 win on opening night, a good way to open up the preseason. Of course, with, with COVID-19 and, you know, trying to keep guys... Uh, um, I should say not only, uh, as fresh as possible, but as safe as possible as well. Knicks didn't travel. They played the Pistons again in their second preseason game. And this is where we started to get to see more players, more workload, more minutes. We started to see more of what this team could look like. And we saw much better performances from some of the starters. I thought that, uh, RJ Barrett was phenomenal in the second preseason game. Obviously the Knicks lost 99 to 91, but we saw a, a really strong performance from R.J. Barrett. I think the only thing he would probably not be happy with is the one of five from deep. Everything else was fantastic. Saw a little bit more, really, from Alec Burks. We didn't get to see a whole lot from him in the first preseason game. He had 21 minutes, 15 points, chipped in a solid performance. And, and we saw much more of a grinding performance out of Nerland's Noel. Not a lot of scoring, much more on the rebounding and defensive side of things. Much more efficient. Um, from uh, R.J. Barrett, as I mentioned earlier. I was going to say, not efficient from Julius Randle, but he got to the free throw line 12 times uh, on the way to getting 18 points. Half of those points came from the stripe. So, again, you know, five turnovers, it's the normal stuff from him. Nothing new there. A uh, little underwhelming from Alfred Payton, although he only played 18 minutes uh, in the game. I think the, the hope was to give some of those minutes uh, to Emmanuel quickly, who did get to play in this game. Nine minutes, two points, two rebounds, two turnovers. Um, again, rookie mistakes, but some progress. I think Tom Thibodeau came out after the game and said that he did a lot of good things, but a lot to work on, as you'd expect, out of a young guard. Um, off the bench, honestly, you know, not a lot of good performances. I mean, again, you know, Obi Toppin, I think, got brought back down to earth a little bit. You know, Kevin Knox really struggled in the game, as did Mitchell Robinson. I, I thought they were both pretty poor um, in this game. You know, Frank Nilakina, you know, 
fouls out in uh, in 12 minutes, um, which was very odd. Um, and Dennis Smith Jr. kind of compounded one pretty poor preseason game with another. And, and Reggie Bullock, yeah, he hit another three. So, again, working through it, you know, working out the the issues that, that have to be dealt with. Again, we didn't get to see Austin Rivers. No, no Miles Powell, no Kid Gilchrist, no Braz Dacus, no Spellman. So when you look at that, it was, it was kind of one of those things where you're kind of, for me, I'm wondering, you know, when's it going to click? You know, what's this team going to look like when they click? Um, it's, it's why it's difficult with the preseason to dive too much into it. But again, I do want to give some thoughts especially after the third preseason game. I felt like, again, Knicks played play Cleveland. They're going to play Cleveland again to finish off the preseason as you're listening to this podcast, I believe. I think is uh, the Friday or the Saturday, I forget, is the, is the last preseason game for the Knicks. They're going to play the Cavs again. Um, yeah, on, on the Friday. So you guys might be listening to this podcast uh, when the last preseason game is played next one at 100 to 93. Little again, shorter on the bench, right? I mean, we didn't get to see some of the guys uh, that had played already, like Nerlens Noel uh, and Alec Burks. We didn't get to see Miles Powell again, uh, and we didn't get to see Frank Nilakina as well. Coach's decisions uh, for all of those uh, on the bench, but much more efficient from Julius Randle. Uh, Again, 1-3 from Reggie Bullock. That, that's been a really frustrating stat to see. Every game, he's only hit one three-point field goal. But regardless, uh, Mitchell Robinson, much better. 13-10, four blocks. If he could do that every night, we got a player in Mitchell Robinson. Um, Alfred Payton was atrocious from the field, but did have seven assists and a block and a steal. He... Uh, you know what, before I dive fully into that, let me get through the rest of the stats, because I do, I got to get to the point guard conversation here in a second. RJ Barrett, arguably his best game of the preseason, I, I would throw that into the conversation, by far his most efficient, struggling again from three, but from the field as a whole, much better. 16-6-2, I mean, that's, again, point totals you'd want to be higher, but I thought he was might he picked his spots out a lot better, I thought he was better defensively, um played a much better all-around game, I thought, against Cleveland than he did against Detroit in either of those two games. Uh, to be fair, R.J. Barrett, again, we were worried, you know, with the season ending early last year because of COVID that R.J. Barrett would have missed some time to get better. He has progressed. I mean, there's 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 a clear, clear difference between last year's R.J. Barrett and this year's R.J. Barrett. He's going to be uh, another, he's going to take another step this season. I think that's very clear. Under Tom Thibodeau, he's going to be a guy to watch. I think he can really advance both, you know, all his all-around game this season in particular. And he's he's been exciting, you know, during this preseason. But I thought I, I thought all-around game, this third preseason game was his best. I really enjoyed it. Uh, no question about it. Great to see Emmanuel quickly get out there for a good chunk of time. 25 minutes, 9 points. I thought he was great. I really did. 7 assists to match the 7 that Alfred Payton had. I, a head-turning performance. I know he was inefficient from the field, really struggled from 3, but I was I was impressed. I, I thought Emmanuel quickly was one of the stars of the show in that third preseason game, giving you a little glimpse into why the Knicks picked him 
into why I, I had highlighted him as a possible target for the Knicks over the last few months. And it got me excited. I have to say, <laughs> got me really excited to see Emmanuel quickly do well in this third preseason game. But if there was a performance that was more head-turning than that, it might have been Kevin Knox's performance off the bench in this game. Obviously, Emmanuel quickly had a strong game. He really was impressive. He comes on and shows you what he could do, right? He comes on and he's impressive. You know, and and I thought that was kind of the theme of the game. I really did. I thought the youngsters were really good. You know, Obi Toppin again showed what he can bring to the table. You know, again, 31 minutes, 8.7, I'm sorry, 8.7 rebounds and an assist. I'm sorry, and a steal, pardon me, no assist. He was strong, you know. I, I, I enjoyed his performance. And then, you know, Kevin Knox plays 22 minutes, scores 16 points, and just had a, a, a fantastic quarter. He really did. I, I was really impressed with what Kevin Knox did off the bench. I, I thought that it kind of came a little bit out of nowhere. You know, I wasn't sure after the first two games, you know, what it was going to look like from him. But it was fantastic, I, I have to say. You know, Kevin Knox was a big difference maker in this game. Again, remember, and this is worth this is worth mentioning, I should have said this maybe a little bit earlier, uh, but I'm, I'm obviously assuming you guys watched the game. Knicks were down, I think, as many as, what, 17 points? And Knox leads them on an 8-0 run, hits a big three at the end of that run, to get the Knicks back into the game and quickly kind of took it from there. I mean, he really had a strong finish to the game. R.J. Barrett helps put the Knicks in front. And and it ends up being a come-from-behind victory, a fourth quarter where the Knicks turn it around. And let me pull the stats up here. I'm forgetting the, the quarter breakdown. I think the Knicks lost the first, yeah, the Knicks lost the first three quarters of this game, and they outscored Cleveland 34-13 to in the fourth to come back and win it by seven. They got outscored by 10 in the third alone after a pretty, pretty tight first half, and, and Kevin Knox was a huge spark plug for the New York Knicks in that fourth quarter in particular, along with Emmanuel Quickly. And of course, getting some help from others like R.J. Barrett, and it was it was a it was a I almost can't talk. It was great. I was so excited. I, I couldn't believe the turnaround. You know, again, the Knicks. You know, a lot of nights when they're down by seventeen, you know, you could say, well, they might you know chip away, but they're not coming back. They're not going to win. This was this was showing some some character, little culture, little tips, little comeback. And even in the preseason, that's a good sign for the New York Knicks. I was I was thrilled. I really enjoyed it. Before I, I close out the preseason thing, though, I, I have to mention this. I, I stopped myself from mentioning this earlier. Because I could talk about this for another half an hour, at least. I could do a whole show just on this topic. The downside, I think, to the preseason so far is we know who's going to start at point guard, but that person is not really 
blown everybody away, right? Alfred Payton's probably going to start on opening night for the New York Knicks. There's a very good chance that happens. He's probably going to play as the starting point guard to start the season. Most likely, you're looking at a combination of Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nilakina. After that, potentially mixing in, hopefully, some Emmanuel quickly as well. That's likely how it's going to look at the point guard position to start things off. Now, Emmanuel, if Emmanuel quickly keeps playing like that, we're going to have a different conversation in about a month. I'll tell you that right now. It's going to be a different conversation. But for right now, you're looking at you're looking at Peyton and then a mix of quickly Smith and Nilakina in no particular order. I have to say, and this is and I'm I'm a guy that was uh, you know, I backed Alfred Peyton to start for a lot of last season when I saw him play. I'm a guy that was happy they brought him back after it looked like for a moment they were going to let him go. You know, for good, they did let him go. But they brought him back, they re-signed him. I, I have to say, you know, again, we see stretches like this where Alfred Payton's really good and really bad. It's but it's going to be like that for a lot of the start of the season. You know, and the fact that he hasn't removed himself from the pack is a little concerning. You know, I, I, I you know, Frank Nilakina has not done anything to tell me he's going to be the starting point guard, and Dennis Smith Jr. has been a very mixed bag uh, in the first three preseason games, and that's putting it lightly. Obviously, the third preseason game for Dennis Smith Jr. was by far his best, but that's not saying a whole lot considering how he played in the first two. Very mediocre. So, the good news is, hey, you know, Emmanuel quickly comes off you know, the bench and plays really well in that third preseason game and, and helps lead a, a you know, a, nearly a 20-point comeback, basically. It ends up being, in, in all, a, uh, if, I, if my math is correct here, um, a 24-point a turnaround in this game to give the Knicks a, a seven-point victory. So it, it's impressive. And, and to be fair, the big diamond in the rough performance was Kevin Knox. That kind of came out of nowhere. And I know I was asking, where the heck was that? And I know our site was was writing a lot, and you guys are writing a lot. That's what happens when you play the kids. I, I can't argue with that. I love what I saw. I uh, You know, we've all kind of had people texting me the, during the first two preseason games saying, where's Quickly? Where's Powell? You know, where are the youngsters? Why isn't Toppin getting more minutes? You know, we didn't see Omari Spellman at all until we got him for five minutes in the Cleveland game. So we haven't seen a lot of these guys. And to be fair, you know, you got to, you know, when, when they play, other guys are not going to get minutes. So the minutes went down for, for Frank Nilakina. He didn't play quickly takes those minutes. Numbers went down. Nerlens Noel doesn't play. Spellman takes some of those minutes. You know, you give a little bit more of time to Obi Toppin and you see some results. So it's exciting. It's exciting what this team could potentially do. It, it really is. This is going to be a better team than last year. I'm already starting to get those vibes. How much better? Your guess is as good as mine. But that's a little inkling as to what I may what I might do with the Knicks in this in this in next week's show when we really break it all down and I rank the teams. I think the Knicks are going to be better than they were last year. I I, I think that with Thibodeau in charge, with the youngsters that have been brought in to kind of push. This core pushed the culture forward. 
be a part of what's happening and what the Knicks are building. This third preseason game gave me a lot of hope for what this team could potentially do moving forward. Again, point guard thing really stuck out to me. But again, these things take time. It's only three games. They're preseason games. And we'll get one more look at it while you guys are listening to the show on Friday. And then by the next week's show, you know, we will be rolling. We'll be into the season. And I'll give you guys my full preview, my full predictions for where all the teams will finish. And we'll see what happens from there. And then we'll really start diving into this season and what the Knicks are doing and how this NBA season will move forward as we head into another year of NBA basketball. It's going to be very interesting in a COVID world, in an outward COVID world. Now, no bubble. We'll see what happens, how the Knicks do and how the rest of the teams do around the league. All right, I'll take a break here. When we come back, there's some NBA news to get to. One of the reasons that I pushed back this preview, right? There's some juicy NBA stuff to get to, not just surrounding the Knicks. We'll touch on it next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So I told you there's some stuff here. There's some juice. You know, there's some gossip. There's some rumors. There's stuff happening. Some more relevant than others in the NBA right now. But there's some, there's some interesting conversations going on around the NBA as we get closer to this upcoming season. Three big things I wanted to hit on in the second half of the show. The first one is one that I, I honestly, you know, wasn't sure, you know, how much we'd still be talking about it, where we would be heading into this week's show. Didn't know kind of where it would take us. However, a report from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne has basically opened things up in the James Harden sweepstakes. Not just the Nets now, where apparently James Harden would like to go. Good luck with that. Multiple teams now are interested in trading for the All-Star and MVP. Apparently, it's not just teams from the East. There are teams in the West that are interested in potentially ponying up to trade for James Harden. How quickly things have changed. (laughs) I remember talking to a couple people about this last week and they were people were texting me about it and saying, 
there's no way the Nets are the only team that want James Harden. I remember thinking to myself, there's got to be five or six. Like, that was kind of my thought. Who could actually pull it off? Who's got the assets? Who's got the cap space? Who has the contracts, potentially, to pull this trade off? Or, you know, who's dumb enough to pull this trade off, right? We saw the, the, the Wall and Westbrook swap where the contracts added up and you were able to, to, to put together a deal that made sense for both sides. As far as the contract, yeah, we, obviously the, the Wizards, you know, potentially come out huge in that deal, especially if John Wall's health doesn't go, it continues to go down the path it's going. But what I'm, the, the point is, who's willing to do the deal? That's where we're at right now. And reportedly, reportedly, the Sixers are willing to discuss a deal, again, according to Woj and, and Ramona Shelburne, ESPN, that would send Ben Simmons to the Houston Rockets in a deal for James Harden. Daryl Morey, who, by the way, obviously, former co-worker with James Harden in, in Houston, president of operations, president of basketball operations of the Sixers, has denied the report, saying that they are not going to trade Ben Simmons, and he's an important part of the future. He also told Shams of The Athletic um, that it's not going to happen, is essentially how that went down. However, Maury has made these proclamations before. Remember Chris Paul? Yeah, we're not trading him. He's important. Yeah, they they traded him for Russell Westbrook. So the, this is interesting. This is an interesting development here. I don't know if either team come out great in a potential Harden-Simmons swap. I'm not even sure it's a comparable move. I think there, I think you'd probably have to send Houston quite a few picks to get that deal over the line. No offense to Ben Simmons, but there are levels to this, and James Harden's a few rungs up the ladder, uh, up the leaderboard than Ben Simmons is as far as value. He's a few rungs ahead, I would say. Uh, I This would be very interesting because you think it's bad now, right, with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Imagine if Harden goes there now with Joel Embiid. Holy and bleep. Am I right? What are we doing here? You see what I did there? All right, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I I would be if I'm a Sixers fan. You, you might be tempted, but but this feels really really off to me. I I, I would not. You know, there's going to be picks involved here. If I'm Houston, I know you want to get rid of him, but Ben Simmons, I mean. Ben Simmons' career could go to die in Houston if this deal is done. I mean, that's kind of what's on the line here. I don't know if he shines anywhere else. Unless they build the team around him in, in, in Philly. Like, that's the, only, that's the only scenario I see for Ben Simmons. Apparently, there are other teams interested. Not just the Nets and the Sixers. The Heat... And the Bucks are on Harden's radar as well. Holy bleep. 
the Bucks? What? Harden and Giannis? Here's where I... Remember I mentioned the Heat at the beginning of the show. There was something interesting with the Heat. This is the interesting thing with the Heat. Right? Multiple deals have been discussed with... Well, not, you know, thrown out there into the ether. Discussed between us and potentially between them. We don't know that for a fact. Between the teams. Of dealing youngsters like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. Because, they're you know, you might not get another chance to get them at, you know... And trade them away at this price and get this much back for them. The debate in Miami, and it's been on, on talk shows down in Miami now for the last couple of weeks. Do you trade for a Bradley Beal? Or someone that's going to get you over the top? You just got to an NBA Finals, right? Do you trade for a James Harden? Are you willing to give up the youngsters to go for a championship right now in Miami? Or do you keep what you got and have 10 years of really good Miami Heat basketball and maybe, you know, you don't win a championship potentially. Who knows? The debate basically in layman's terms, do you put all your chips in now or do you keep what you got, you cash it out and you see how many rings end up on the table? Do you want a 10-year gap? Potentially with Bam and 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 Jimmy Butler, pretend, you know, part of that as well, obviously, for most of it. Or do you say, you know what? We got to win right now. I'm putting the chips in. We're going, we're trading, we're getting James Harden. We're getting Bradley Beal. I'm in, I, I mean, I'm intrigued by it. No question about it. It's very interesting. I mean, Pat Riley's got a conundrum here. Pat Riley has built two different NBA champions in Miami. The 06 team with Wade and Shaq, where he was a coach. The big three, where he was an executive, and he had LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. And now he's trying to do it again with Butler, Hero, and Bam. And he almost did it. You know, they got to a game six, <laughs> you know, beaten up and, and injured in last year's NBA Finals against the team that everyone thinks is going to repeat. So, the Heat are going to have a say this year. There's no question about that. But do they put all the chips in the middle? I, I, it's, it's one of the most interesting storylines of an offseason in all the sports. Whether a team goes for it. Whether a team puts their money where their mouths are and say, no, no, no. We're going for it right now. We want to win the title now. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Obviously, when you look at the options, for me personally, as a, as a neutral in this case, because there's no way James Harden's coming to the Knicks, if you're Harden, Miami makes a lot of sense. By the way, by the way, so does Milwaukee. I, I don't know what they would give up. Obviously, I would argue... Miami's team is a little deeper. There's more to work with there. More to give up without losing as much. Because the Bucks, again, the Bucks are pretty deep, but you're going to have to give up quite a bit to get James Harden. Remember that. 
but the Bucks would be interesting. You know, it could come down to if this happens at all, can he could stay in Houston. But Butler and Harden, Giannis and Harden, what goes what happens there? I don't know. I don't know. Butler seems to be more of a guy that would be okay with it. I don't know if Giannis has never played with a bona fide star before. There could be some growing pains there, for all we know. It's a it's a tough debate. I'll tell you where I'll tell you who's fourth on my list. Philly. Holy smokes. Holy M bleep. What in the world? I don't see those two working well together at all. I really don't. I think the Nets would be third on that list. Harden has played with Durant. Kyrie Irving's a huge wild card, but he's a good he's a great player. But then you look at Philly. Philly's the fourth option here. Surely Philly's the fourth option. I mean, it, it just with the again when you look at the teams on paper, the rosters, the experience, the success, the teammates, the the, the chemistry. Oof. I think Philly's four out of four here. You'd basically be trading a Western Conference version of what you dealt with for an Eastern Conference version of what you're dealing with. And you, you you have to play for the same guy, so it's I mean, not sure much changes that for Harden. Not sure how much that would entice him, but again, I don't know. I don't know. The Heat thing is interesting. The Heat situation is extremely intriguing. What the Miami Heat are going to do with all that talent? Do they decide to keep it and say no, no, no? We want to be good for the next decade, and we'll see what happens as far as championships. Or do they say, no, we've got what we need and we're going to trade one of our guys. Get what we can get for them and bring in another star, potentially, and go for that championship right now. It's it's an interesting debate. It really is. And again, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, they're a part of it. They are in the discussion right now. Again, at this point, I would lean towards this probably not happening at all this season. But it's it's being discussed. No question about that. To finish up the show, we do have to mention the Clippers situation. This is interesting. According to multiple reports, the LA Clippers are being investigated by the NBA And they're also investigating Jerry West in particular on the handling of Kawhi Leonard's free agency recruitment. As soon as I read that headline yesterday, before I recorded the show, well, I guess technically two days before you guys get the show, when I was doing my prep, I immediately stopped what I was doing. I I, I really... There's not many NBA stories where where you read the headline anymore and you drop everything you're doing. This is close to that category. You know, the Clippers have had a couple of them over the last decade. You know, we won't mention the names here. You guys kind of know where I'm going with that. But, and it's on the court and off the court. That's all I'm going to say. But, this was one where I immediately stopped what I was doing and started reading. This one is a really juicy story. Apparently, The role that Jerry West played in Kawhi Leonard's signing with the team as a free agent 
is being investigated after a lawsuit was filed against Jerry West on Monday. And this report was initially filed by USA Today Sports. The person is requesting to be anonymous. They were not authorized to speak publicly about an ongoing league investigation. However, it is apparently taking place. Johnny Wilkes filed a lawsuit in the County of L.A. Superior Court alleging that Jerry West paid him, this is Johnny Wilkes, who got the money here, $2.5 million to help Kawhi Leonard sign for the Clippers in 2019. Whoa. Whoa. Holy bleep. Wilkes in the lawsuit also claims that he informed Dennis Robertson, who is Leonard's uncle, that Robertson would get a house in Southern California, a travel expense account, and owner Steve Ballmer would fund a $100 million marketing campaign for Kawhi Leonard. So a lot of, lot of stuff being thrown around here. A lot of stuff being accused Uh, A lot of accusatory remarks being thrown towards the Clippers here. Wilkes in the lawsuit claims he gave West critical information to use in the Clippers pitch to Leonard during the free agency meeting. Just to clarify, the Detroit Free Press is writing about this, but the report is initially from USA Today Sports. Just want to clarify that. That's where I'm getting the information from here. Other allegations include that Leonard signed with the Clippers after he met with Jerry West at a Beverly Hills restaurant. The quote from West reconfirmed, quote, that he and the Clippers would take care of him and honor their agreement. Jerry then instructed the plaintiff, Wilkes, I believe, to type his request for payment and email to his good friend Jim Gray while meeting with Jim Gray Uh. Well, sorry, while at the meeting, Jim Gray sent the plaintiff his email address and the request was formalized. Apparently, the first uh, whiff of the lawsuit came from TMZ and they got a statement from West denying the conduct was improper. This is a juicy, juicy story. Obviously, a lot of consequences could come the Clippers' way potentially here or, to be fair... (laughs) (laughs) this could get swept under the rug. But it's worth mentioning. This is extremely interesting. If it's true, these are scathing allegations against Jerry West. These are big-time, big-time allegations of foul play to get the signature of Kawhi Leonard during the 2019 free agency period. Goodness gracious. A lot to think about there where would he have gone you know was there a better offer out there you know or was this over the top and that's what he wanted and remember remember the, remember the whole story you know Kawhi's an LA guy wanted to come to LA you know the Lakers or the Clippers right what was it going to be maybe this is what it took to make Kawhi Leonard a Clipper crazy stuff potentially there all right All I'm going to say 
last thing I understand that story, because there's a lot to get to and a lot that we don't know about it yet. So we'll keep you guys updated on that as this story moves on, as more information comes out. But that is that is one to keep an eye on. No question about that moving forward. But we'll, we'll, we'll keep you up to date when we get more info about that one. That's where I'm going to end the show this week. That's a good place to end it, I think. Guys, thank you as always for listening to the show. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. One quick note I want to mention. It's great to see the vaccine is starting to make its way around the United States. Obviously, we're still going to wait months before it gets to us, the civilians. But for right now, it's great to see essential workers out there getting vaccinated. If you are one of those people, thank you so much for your hard work and dedication throughout the entire pandemic. We are indebted to you. Uh, so we really appreciate it. Uh, it's much as we can say, I mean, it's, it's, it means so much the help you guys give to people in need that don't know what's going to happen right now during a very difficult time. Uh, the second thing I want to mention is next week, we're doing a full preview and predictions. The NBA season will have tipped off and I'm giving you my full rankings to where I think teams will finish in the East and the West. I'll rank the Knicks. And I'll rank everybody else as well in the standings for the Eastern and Western Conference. I'll give you the favorites for the NBA championship, in my mind, going into this upcoming season. Until then, enjoy the week. Enjoy the rest of the Knicks preseason. Let me know how you think the Knicks are doing, players you like, players you want to see, all that good stuff. And let me know what you think about the NBA season starting coming up next week. We'll talk about that, and I'll give you a full preview and predictions for the upcoming season next week. Until then. Have a good week, everybody. Stay safe, and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.